1 Peter 5, 9. Let's get verse 8 so that we have the full sentence that God gave us. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Amen and amen. The first two words, whom resist. Now Peter and James and Jude, some of these last epistles that are given to us, these general epistles written to believers, Jewish believers in all three cases, because Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, there are some similarities. James would make it very simple. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. This is the very same description here. And if you get this context about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time here, you will find that it is in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Very similar language. So James's words are, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Peter's words are, whom, speaking of the devil, which is introduced to us in verse 8, whom, resist. You can resist the devil, though far mightier and smarter than you, because Jesus has defeated him. And you get the benefits of that victory from the cross of Calvary. To resist someone is to withstand them, to strive against them, to oppose them, to stop an attack, invasion, or hostile action of any kind. It's described in the Bible in various places. You know, those that resist the powers that be, resist against God and bring upon themselves damnation in Romans chapter 13. The devil will not only leave you, he will flee, is what James chapter 4 and verse 7 tells us. He can only take an advantage of you if you give him an opening. He is limited by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. Whatever terminology that you like that is biblical, embrace it. I am covered in the blood. I am clothed in His righteousness. I have a guarantor in heaven. Whatever language you like, you are preserved by the Lord Jesus Christ. However, the devil can come and disrupt our practical lives and our practical salvation that the Lord has given us. These words, whom resist, are imperative. That means it's a command. It's instruction. It's a directive for us to do something. Whom resist. You must resist the devil or he will devour you alive and you will end up a carnal Christian disgracing God and not bearing the fruit that God intended by saving you. The devil, which is the source of devilish wisdom, will flee from you if you'll resist him. He's the spirit behind the lusts of every sin in your life that steal you from Christ. You cannot and you must not yield to him or his desires, no matter how terrible the pressure might be that is brought against you. And we had read to us Revelation chapter 20, beheaded for the cause of Christ. Revelation chapter 12, they loved not their lives unto the death. Brethren went before us that were willing to die for Jesus Christ. Are you willing to live for him? That's resisting the devil. No matter what pressure is brought against us, we would never deny the faith, I hope. Those men and women, children even, would not deny the faith. But they resisted the devil in the efforts made to get them to compromise the truth of the gospel. 
How do you resist the devil? I don't need to take much time if you'll listen carefully. How do you resist the devil? The Bible isn't silent about effectively beating him in your life. The concept of resisting is not difficult. Do not do what he wants you to do. Do not do what he wants you to do. Well, let me help you understand that. He came against the Lord Jesus Christ, as as Paul read to us, in three different ways. He was hungry. So you better maintain an equilibrium in your life by not being overly hungry or overly tired. It's a simple little point. If you get overly tired, you are easier game for the devil. You all know that about tiredness, that it wears you down and uh, words come out a little faster and more foolishly and anger pops up a little bit more easily when you're tired. That's just It's just basic simplicity. Yet, it says when Jesus had not eaten anything for 40 days and 40 nights, he hungered. And when the devil came after him, it was right about food. And so when we're tired, we can have buttons pushed on us that we would not otherwise have pushed. So it's our responsibility to be careful in matters as simple and as practical as that. Do you know the scripture, like Paul appealed to you, to be able to respond, this is what God said, I am not going to do that. When a thought comes into your mind, or a lust in your flesh, or your heart is feeling something passionately, and it's contrary to God's word, are you able to say, that's wrong, I'm not going to do it. The Bible says this, that is wrong. And you've got to do that. If an evil thought comes up about a person, and it wants to provoke anger in you that would be ungodly, and say things that would be ungodly, then the response should be to pray for that person. I will not get angry. I will not let that consume me. I will not sin by the passion. I will pray for them. I'll do something good for them. And so the Bible tells us to overcome evil with good and rather than being overcome by evil. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 very quickly. Ephesians 6, because this is the lengthiest passage in the Bible. It's been taught to you recently, but let's just read it and let me make a few brief comments. This is about resisting the devil. We're commanded to resist, and this is how it should be done. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's where our strength comes from. That's why the devil will flee if you will just stand your ground and resist him. We do not go on a crusade. The men of this church don't pack up and go fight in Jerusalem against the Islam like they did for hundreds of years in Europe. We don't go fight the devil. We try to stand our ground and resist his attacks, and then he will flee. And we don't try to run him down. We don't try to go into the pit of hell and find where he's operating in Greenville County and then go after him. He's he's not that far away, and he's going to be coming after you, and you are to resist. You know, we don't have any campaigns in this church to go after abortion clinics or palm readers. Palm readers are operating, unless they're just ignorant idiots, they're operating by what power? The power of the devil. But we don't go there and burn their houses down, or don't go talk to them, The Bible hasn't called us to do anything like that. It tells us to stand in the power of His might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. We don't want to miss a piece of the panoply God has given us. 
that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's a wily creature. He's smart. He's subtle. And he knows how to push our buttons and get to us. And we can stand against them. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let's make sure that we fight the right battles in this church. Our battles are not with the things of this world that you can see and that involve flesh and blood. There are higher enemies behind them, and they're the ones that the Lord wants us to resist. Rather than fighting City Hall or Washington, D.C., we should be fighting spiritual darkness in high places, and that's the devil. We're told throughout this passage, it's a spiritual warfare, a spiritual wrestling match, what First Peter 8 Verses chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 are teaching us. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. That is not President Obama. He is not a ruler of the darkness of this world. Lucifer, Satan, the old serpent, the great dragon, is a ruler of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places that are far higher than governments of nations of this world. That's our match. It's not flesh and blood. It's not men. And this this instruction of these first 10 verses is powerful. Verse 10, the might is in the Lord. Verse 11, our victory is in the whole armor that is able to defeat all the wiles of the devil. And verse 12 tells us it is spiritual, not physical. And we can save ourselves a great deal of grief and reduce the number of enemies we think we have to fight in the world by just believing these three verses. What is the armor? Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. The whole armor is mentioned again, just like it was in verse 11. That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. When the devil comes against you, when that roaring lion is seeking to devour you, that's the evil day, and you can withstand him, Having done all to stand. It doesn't say to chase him down. And I just want to make that point. If we can just resist him and not let him get an inroad in our lives, that is success and that is victory because he will do the fleeing. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, verse 13, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. This is how we resist having your loins girt about with truth. We are absolutely and totally committed to truth in doctrine and truth and honesty in all of our practices, lest the great liar get an advantage of us by lies in doctrine or lies in practice. I don't have time for any more than that. It is a total commitment to truth from a corporate standpoint, private standpoint, doctrinal standpoint, speech standpoint, and all of our business dealings so that he cannot get at us. He's a liar. He loves dishonesty. He loves slander. We love truth. Our Father in heaven wants those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth, and the devil wants to take us off of that. So it says, it says there in verse 14, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is doing what is right by God's definition in every part of our lives, corporately and individually and personally. It's a breastplate that protects us against his accusations, compromise, reproaches, and everything that he can bring upon us. Remember, a minister has to be of good report of them that are without, lest he fall under the reproach of the devil. Because if you've got faults, failures, sins, you know, sins that have not been repented of, 
and blown out of your life and the devil has a way to reproach you. So you get rid of those things by having on the breastplate of righteousness. It includes our knowledge of Christ's righteousness, but really this is, this is armor that we put on. By your righteousness. That's how you resist the devil. You are doing something to resist the devil. By living righteously so that he cannot get an advantage of you. And that's why it becomes so practical in 1 Timothy 3 about the qualifications for a minister. Verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God is at peace with us, so there's nothing more to do. We are to have peace in our lives and in our souls. And we are supposed to be peacemakers ourselves. Peace protects us from the devil's doubts, fear, worry, anxiety, distractions, and loss of joy. See, those are his wiles. We become fruitless Christians if we're pressed down, worrying, and anxious about things because the Lord has won the victory for us. He's made peace. He has spoken peace to our souls, and we should live out that peace. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. That is your belief in the promises of God, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Faith protects you from so much. Faith that the Lord Jesus Christ had in the promises of God and the commandments of God protected him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if the devil takes you off your faith and confidence that God is with you, he will never forsake you, that God is true, his promises are true, his salvation is sure then the devil has taken you off of faith and you cannot please God and he wins. We want to quench all the fiery darts. Those thoughts that come at you that get you discouraged, that get you depressed, that get you pressed down, that take away your zeal, that take away your fire for the Lord, those fiery darts are from the devil. And we hold up the shield of faith and just quench them. And they just spit out, they just die as they land in the shield of faith. So we take up that shield by believing what God has said. That's why we have that little expression, God said it, I believe it. That settles it. And I don't care who or how many say otherwise to me. Verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation that protects from hopelessness, guilt, condemnation, and foolish works. Because God has given us great hope through the salvation that Jesus Christ has secured for us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Yet the devil wants to try to condemn you. Believe what the Bible says about salvation and put that helmet of hope on that he cannot make you hopeless. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You saw the Lord Jesus use the Word of God three times in Matthew chapter 4. You've got to know the Bible, believe the Bible, and use the Bible widely and wisely. Paul was so afraid of those Hebrew Christians in Hebrews chapter 5 because they were still in need of milk and were not ready for strong meat. We've got to advance in our comprehension, understanding, and application of the Scriptures themselves. That's the only offensive weapon that is described here. The rest are purely defensive in order to withstand the devil's blows at us. But we take up the sword of the Spirit and we respond back. The Bible says this, just like Jesus did. It is written. It is written. It is written again. He answered with the Word of God. And here's the activity. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit 
and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Perseverance is mentioned twice. Supplication is mentioned twice. Praying always with all prayer. There's prayer mentioned twice. And supplication in the Spirit and watching. There's being sober and being vigilant thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We are begging God and we are persistently staying at begging God and we are doing it always with all supplication for all saints. You know, and those outside of our congregation that we do not know by name, we can pray for by general terms of description. All those that call upon Jesus Christ in sincerity and in truth. Expressions like the Bible uses. There are seven points to remember. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the Word of God, and prayer in the Holy Ghost. That is how you resist the devil. By making sure these things are solidly established in your life. You have the righteousness of Christ clothing you, and you are living a righteous life so that He cannot undermine your confidence because of sin that is unconfessed in your life. And it's been taught before, and that is all. I am going to say right now. That was Ephesians 6. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Just turn back a page. Verse 25 through 27. Ephesians 4, 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Notice, this is our truthfulness. This is our honesty. Every man, be honest and speak truthfully with your neighbor. Verse 26 deals with a different kind of sin. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil, because he is a liar and he is a murderer, and you have both sins right there in verses 25 and 26. 25 is the lying, 26 is the murder, by anger getting out of control. Matching up exactly with what Jesus taught in John 8.44 about the devil. Neither give place to the devil. There's a huge difference between resisting the devil with an honest life and a life without anger. That's resisting the devil. But you give place to him when you allow either one of those into your life. Hypocrisy is dishonesty. It's pretending you're something in this church that you are not. The Lord sees it and the devil knows it. We need to be honest in all of our dealings and we need to be forgiving, loving, gentle, and merciful in all of our relationships lest we give place to the devil. Come back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. How do we resist the devil? He'll flee from us. Well, he's got a limited repertoire. And we can defeat it. We can stand against it. Did you notice in uh, Genesis that Eve saw that the fruit was good for food? That is the lust of the... Good for food. The lust of the flesh. And beautiful to look at. Lust of the eyes. And to make a person wise. Pride of life. Are his tools limited? Let's try Jesus. Turn these stones into bread. Lust of the flesh. 
All these kingdoms of the world I will give you in all their glory. If you're the Son of God, I dare, if you're the Son of God, then jump off this pinnacle. The pride of life. But Jesus didn't have any of those things in Him. Do you know that the Bible tells us all that is in the world? All that is in the world. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 1 John 2.16 So in Genesis 3, Matthew 4, 1 John 2.16 we we see the same three things. And the, the Lord already gave us a lesson about pride last Sunday from the verses leading up to this one in 1 Peter chapter 5 because pride we take with us all the time. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes are limited in the way they affect us, but pride we carry with us. And we need to defeat that and be clothed with humility. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 6, that fornicator at Corinth had been excluded in the first epistle Now it was time to take him back in because he was about to be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.6, Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. So that contrarywise, opposite that treatment of exclusion, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices." Now this last in verse 11 is tied in to verses 6 through 10 about forgiving. We've got to be quick to forgive. It's the opposite of Ephesians 4.26. You know, when, if we get angry, don't sin. If you get angry, get over it and don't take it to bed with you. Every couple should have that as a rule for their marriage. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And here's the importance of forgiveness. Because if we don't forgive quickly and thoroughly and completely, and if we don't allow a certain amount of punishment to be sufficient and to forget it, we give the devil an advantage. Who in the world wants to give Satan an advantage in their lives? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He's built on hate. Listen, he loves to slander and get people against each other. Did he tell Eve that God isn't really looking out for your best and he's hiding a secret and that if you'll eat the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be better for it? God doesn't really care about you? Did he do that? Did he accuse Job to God? The only reason Job serves you is because you have a hedge around him and you bless everything he does. See, he's always trying to create enmity and animosity and fighting. And what did he do to Cain? The Bible tells us that Cain, 1 John chapter 3, John chapter 8, Cain killed Abel because of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. And so he sets brother at brother. We want to hate differences. We want to hate variances. We want to love unity, peace, gentleness, forgiveness, lest he get an advantage of us because he wants to stir up trouble and and so that we would violate each other and kill each other and bite and devour each other as Paul described it in Galatians chapter 5. 
You resist the devil by being strong in the Word of God. 1 John chapter 2 says that young men have overcome the evil one because they were strong in the Word of God. 1 John chapter 2. You better hear the gospel well. When we come into a place like this, come prepared, come rested, come praying, come listening, come focused. Because if you don't focus and you don't prepare and you don't pray for God to have mercy upon you and help you, the devil will come. Jesus taught it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and snatch away the Word of God. This is how we resist. We come prepared to hear God's Word, increase our faith, and prepare us to oppose the devil. We want to get rid of any harsh spirit. James and John, the sons of thunder, asked Jesus, can we call fire down from heaven on this little village of Samaritans because they didn't treat you right? Jesus said, ye know not what spirit ye are of. David would say of his nephews, ye sons of Zeruiah are too hard for me. That's giving a place to the devil. Harshness is a devilish tool. It's not godliness. Godliness is gentleness, forgiveness, mercy, forbearance, long-suffering, kindness, benevolence, graciousness. Oh Lord, help us to that end. Not to be like James and John. If you've got something in your life that's about to take you under, Paul would say, not even to give the flesh an opportunity for sin, he would say to cut off your right hand and pluck out your right eye. He didn't mean that literally, he meant that metaphorically, but if there's something precious, something practical, something in your life that is causing you continual temptation, get it out of your life. That's resisting the devil. Prayer is powerful, but prayer with fasting is required sometimes like it was for the lunatic. The devils know Jesus and they know Paul, and they knew that The seven sons of Sceva were hypocritical imposters in Acts chapter 19. You can do better than Lot, can't you? Do you know what Lot did wrong? He pitched his tent toward Sodom. Can you do better than Achan? He looked upon some Babylonian garments and some gold when he went into the city of Jericho. It tells us. Can you do better than Samson? He had a hang-up on wild women from Philistia. Can you do better than Saul and be jealous of someone else like David? Can you be better than David who when he was supposed to be at war was at home and couldn't sleep and saw Bathsheba? All these examples we have in the Bible and more. The television is a pulpit for the devil. If you haven't figured that out yet, then no amount of preaching from me is going to help you. David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. The internet can be a pulpit and a video monitor for his diabolical temptation of your flesh. The devil is in your bedroom, so don't give him any place by defrauding your spouse of sex. Avoid excess activity and tiredness because remember how the devil used Jesus' hunger to go after him with the first temptation. Any relationship with the opposite sex should be carefully guarded and ruled by God's word and understanding that Satan can use that button very easily with many. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and he will assist your understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not 
unto your own understanding. When you start leaning to your own understanding, who's going to be there to give you wonderful suggestions? Satan. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. So how much is left over to think about his little goofy ideas? If you don't have a tsunami of Bible evidence for a thought, don't think it. Because the devil's going to just give you suggestions. Reject anything that has to do with witchcraft, like Ouija boards, horoscopes, zodiac signs, Harry Potter, demonic games, palm readers, and other similar introductions to sorcery. Women, don't give place to the devil by neglecting your roles in the home. 1 Timothy 5, verses 11 through 16 say that some have gone after Satan by not upholding their duties at home. The greater your desire and the greater your activity toward Jesus Christ, the less opportunity for the devil. Music's always been a vehicle for opening up the consciousness to devilish influence. Let's guard music. Devil worshipers have their music. All you have to do, the simplest thing, and I've, I don't get off on trying to uh, tell you what kinds of music. I want you to learn some spiritual discernment and look at the consequences, effects, and fruits of performers and listeners to any particular type of music and then tell me if they're lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ or not. I don't care if you like the form of music or not. The fact that you like something is absolutely worth less than nothing. What counts is, what is the fruitfulness, what is the effect, what is the, what are the consequences of that particular type of music? Does it lead to greater godliness? You know, this is the temple of the Holy Ghost, as I've said so simply. You've got two holes. Make sure you're letting in temple music. If you let in temple music, then you are strengthened against the wiles of the devil. That worldly music pulls you down. I know that so well from my teenage years of rock and roll feeding my rebellion. It was it was like a drug. You know, they all call it drug. They know how powerful it was. You know, we... They call it the language of the soul. Let's just be careful with music. You know, if you're listening to music about the Lord Jesus Christ and praising Him and your heart is lifted up in Him, hey, you're resisting the devil. Right. Friends, you know, friends can get you down. Friends that are devilish. Friends that don't have any fear of God. Your contentment. Are you content with everything? The, the quick confession of sins. That's how you resist the devil. We're going to sin. You're going to sin. If a man say that he has no sin, he's a liar and the truth isn't in him. But if any man sin, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, if any man sin, knowing that we will, there is an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you don't confess that sin, sin 1 leads to sin 2. Sins 1 and 2 lead to sin 3. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 say that we are able to depart from the living God through the deceitfulness of sin. And so we're supposed to exhort one another while it is called daily, lest any of you be deceived through that deceitfulness. There's a few reminders. How do we do it? Who resists steadfast in the faith? That means we don't move. We hold the faith. Because that word faith has the definite article the, that's an English word for a piece of grammar in front of the word faith. We believe that that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do not get moved. We don't compromise. We don't change, even at the threat of death. They can be lighting the coal, the coals of the wood behind us, ready to strap us to a pole, and we will not deny the truth of the gospel that the Lord's shown us. 
That's, you know, easy because it's not going to happen to you. What is going to come up in this church next? Or what's being thrown at you? Or what problem do you have with what we believe here? We want to be steadfast in the faith. And if the Lord shows us something to change on so that our the faith for us moves from here to here, so be it. Lord, bring it on. We pray for it, and your pastor is willing to do it, and the church is willing to do it. But for what the Lord has shown us, let's be steadfast in it. Because the, the devil is going to try to get us off of truth. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God seeks those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. If God seeks that, what is the devil doing right now? Wanting to undermine truth wherever he can. And he is doing a great job of it in this weak country that doesn't resist him. We want to be tenacious for the truth. Whom resist steadfast in the faith? Lord, help us. Remember that remnant of the woman in Revelation 12? They keep the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. They haven't moved away from the hope of the gospel. They don't have another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. 2 Corinthians 11 verses 3 and 4 tell us that there is another spirit and another gospel and another Jesus. And you go on down 10 more verses to verses 13 through 15. It says that Satan himself becomes an angel of light and his other devils, ministers of righteousness. Oh, they can look and sound so good. They look and sound like great Christians. But if they're not preaching this and we don't have a tsunami of evidence for what they're saying and practicing, it's heresy and it's wrong. And we're going to reject it and blast it with no mercy. Because it says, steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions... These same persecutions that were coming up in the suffering and the devil's attacks. You know, this, these two verses are transitional. Verse 1 is about the devil coming after us to tempt us and devour us. And then it transitions into the persecution that verse 10 is going to describe. Because persecution, didn't Revelation chapter 12 and 20 both talk about the persecution? That the, that the devil, when he was cast into the earth, was going to go after the woman with persecution. And it's, that suffering is going to be mentioned in the very next verse, verse 10. And so we've got this combination of, of methods. You know, he's a, he's a uh, subtle serpent. He's an angel of light. And he's a roaring lion. And he does all of that against us. And we want to be ready to stand against them all. And one of the comforts, this is a comfort that comes at the end of verse 9, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You scattered Jews, you strangers. See, there were just a few. They were scattered among the Gentiles. You strangers that are out there, you're not alone in this. All your brethren that are in the world, because while we're here, the devil's coming after us. Do you know how you get rid of the devil? It's not hate dying so much. You know, that's one of the blessings of getting out of here. Is you are free from him. But while you're in the world, we have brethren everywhere that have gone through the same type of afflictions. If the Lord could, could sustain them, like the martyrs that we've heard about, if the Lord could sustain them under such tremendous pressure to compromise, He can help us. Right. If others have done it, I can do it. If I'm not alone in this suffering, then I'm not going to let that fiery dart come at me. 
that God doesn't really love me and He singled me out for some singular persecution because all the saints of God have suffered afflictions at the hand of the devil. Did David? Did Peter? Did others? Yes. Lord, help us to stand fast and to resist the devil and stand, be steadfast in the faith like all of our brothers before us. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.